Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. And you come in, what's the first thing that your kids ask you? Well, if, if your kids are like mine, the first thing they say is not, hey, hi, it's good to see you again. No, no, no. They want to know, what did you bring us? What did you bring us? Uh, Hope and I, we were gone for uh, a few days in February. And uh, when we got back, our kids were actually in school. And so uh, when, they, when they got off the bus and they came home, the first question they asked is, what did you bring us? What did you bring us? And, and Hope and I said, we looked at them and we said, us. We brought you us. And they said, and you are all we need, mom and dad. And we had a prayer meeting right there in the hallway, right with their backpacks still on. <laughs> that's not what happened. You know that's not what happened, and I know that's not what happened. Um, but, you know, early on, the same thing is true in our relationship with Jesus, right? Like, early on, it's the same way. Like, what do I get from this? What can Jesus do for me? And just honestly, like, that makes sense, especially if you're a, a new follower of Jesus, but it's not healthy to get stuck there. If we get stuck there, we get stuck in, in an immaturity. We get stuck in this infantile state of our walk with Christ. Because here's the thing that we need to understand. It's impossible to have a healthy relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. Isn't that, don't, that, that's true whether you're talking about spirituality or whether you're talking about marriage, right? Like, come on, those of you who are married, you know that's true. You know that if you're always trying to get something from your spouse, hello, that's not a healthy relationship. It's not just true in that area. It's true in your parenting. It's true if you're a son or a daughter. It's true at work. Listen, for those of you who have coworkers, if you're always trying to get something from them, it's not gonna be a healthy relationship. This is true in friendships, and it's especially true in our relationship with God. You see, when, when, when that happens in our relationship with God, we come to him with an agenda. And when we come to him with an agenda or a, a wish list of things that, that we want him to do for us, uh, requests that we want him to grant, not that God doesn't wanna hear our needs, of course he does, but if that's the cornerstone of our relationship, then, then we enter into what I like to call this morality dance. And, and what the morality dance looks like is, is we have to kind of uh, get into this give and take where it's kind of like, oh, I've got to do this right, and I've got I've to check these boxes, and if I get all of this right, then God will, will give me what I've asked for, right? Well, here's the truth. Those of you who have been following Jesus for a long time, you already know this. God loved us so much that he gave us everything that we need. Everything that we need, he has given us in Jesus. And when that, when that revelation goes from your head to your heart, listen, everything changes. Everything is different. When, when the truth that everything that you need has been given to you in Jesus, then you'll discover that you're okay even when things aren't okay. When that revelation, when you grab hold of that, you discover that you can find purpose in the seemingly randomness of life. That you can find, that you can find meaning even when you're disappointed with your circumstances. 
Well, today we're in week four of our series called Signs, and we're walking with John as he, as he follows Jesus, and we've made a realization throughout this series, and that's that John didn't follow Jesus because of, because of faith. He followed Jesus because of what he saw and what he heard, and John called these Signs. And these signs, he said, these aren't random events. These weren't random acts of kindness. These weren't, these weren't just um, acts of compassion because Jesus kind of felt, felt happy one day. No, no, no. These were called signs because they, they pointed to the identity of Jesus. And these signs are what convinced John that Jesus was who he claimed to be. So John, seeing these signs, trusted Jesus. He, he believed in him. He, he put the weight of his life on Jesus' shoulders. He leaned upon him, and he followed him. And so the question that so many of us have when it comes to Jesus, the question that many of us have when it comes to Christianity is, is oftentimes what do I get out of this? What's in it for me? And that's the question that we face in today's passage. If you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to John chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be looking at the fourth sign that John records, John chapter 6. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to take notes, grab a notebook, and, and follow along with us today. This passage finds Jesus heading uh, back to Galilee, uh, back to the Sea of Galilee, north of Jerusalem. He gets to the sea, he, he gets to the other side of it, and it's this remote location. It's the middle of nowhere, quite honestly. Like there's, it, there's nothing, no towns, no villages around, but what we see is that a crowd follows Jesus. Check this out, John chapter 6 Verses two, and then we'll just keep on going till we finish. All right, verse two says, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Now, now stop right there. You gotta take note of that. Why were they following Jesus? Well, they were following him because of the signs, because the signs pointed to identity. The signs pointed to glory. So they're following him because of the signs. Verse three, then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Now, in the Gospel of John, we have to understand this right off the bat. There is no detail put in there by accident. Every detail that John puts in the Gospel is there intentionally and on purpose. And so when John mentions the Passover, he mentions it for a very specific reason. Now, this is the second time John has talked about the Passover. If you remember, the first time was in John chapter 2, what many people might like to call the tantrum in the temple, right? Like when Jesus goes in and he, he throws the tables upside down and he gets a whip and he starts wearing people out because they had turned the house of God, the, his father's house, into just money changing and, and a den of thieves, Jesus says. And of course, there will be a third time that John talks about Passover, the last time that Jesus and Passover are connected in the gospel of John. 
You see, Passover, if you're not familiar with what Passover represents, it, it was the celebration that Israel did to commemorate their exit from Egypt, their exodus from Egypt. Over 1,500 years before Jesus, they, they left Egyptian slavery and they were journeying through the wilderness to the promised land that God had given Abraham. And Passover was this annual reminder of their need for another Moses. You see, there was a prophecy that that after Moses died, there would be a second Moses. Another prophet would come and lead the people again. And so John wants us to see. You got to see this. He wants us to, to connect this story, this sign, with this event of Passover, because it's all interrelated. He's saying, hey, hey, pay attention, everybody. This sign that Jesus does is connected to a bigger story. Verse five, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? In other words, hey, this is a remote location. Everything's closed, and if we could find a place that was open, it would be so far away, we couldn't get the food here. So I love verse six because verse six gives us insight into Jesus's personality. And this, is, this disturbs some people, but I think it's funny. Verse six says, he asked this only to test him for he had already had in his mind what he was going to do. In other words, Jesus is like playing a game with, with, with Philip. He's like, I'm gonna ask you this question, but I already kind of know the answer and I know what I'm gonna do to solve the problem. I love that. That just makes me laugh. Verse seven, Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. In other words, Philip says, nowhere, (laughs) nowhere, Jesus. There is nowhere to buy enough bread for this many people. And so another of his disciples, verse eight, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up and he said, hey, Jesus, Jesus, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So Philip, Philip doesn't know the answer to Jesus's question. And Andrew doesn't know either, but he does bring this boy and his sack lunch to Jesus's attention. Now, let me make a point that's not necessarily the point of today's message. So often, we have no idea what to do in, an, in any given situation, Right? Like we find ourselves a lot of times clueless. We don't know what to do. But Andrew shows us something here, that the starting point is always to bring whatever we have access to to the attention of Jesus. And and you never know. Here's what Andrew shows us. You never know what he's going to do with what you bring him. Though those of us who have been following Jesus for a while, we can expect that he's going to do something creative and something brand new that we hadn't even thought of. So listen, come on, that applies right now to the situation we're in, right? Like I don't, I'm a pastor. I don't always know what to do in this COVID-19 
pandemic experience that we're all living in, this kind of uh, dystopian, like, uh, end of the world kind of thing that we all feel in. Now, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. Please understand. That's not what I'm getting at. But, you know, it kind of feels apocalyptic. I was in Food Line the other day, and they came over the thing making the announcement about social distancing, and I felt like I was watching some, some sci-fi movie. And, and, and we, we may not know what to do, but here's what we can do. We can bring whatever we have access to, to the attention of Jesus. And we may not know what to do, but he knows exactly what to do. So I just want to, let me give that, like that's, a, that's just an extra word for today. You may not know what to do this morning. Just bring whatever you have access to, to the attention of Jesus. So verse 10, Jesus tells him, he says, well, have the people sit down. Now, there's plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, and John makes a note. He says, by the way, there are about 5,000 men there. Now, that's interesting. Why does John only count the men? Now, some scholars will estimate there were upwards of 20,000 people listening to Jesus teach at this point. So why mention just the men? Well, let me give you, a, let me, let me give you some foreshadowing. Here in a bit, John's going to tell us how the crowd responds to Jesus. And it's as if right here, John is setting us up for the crowd's response because 5,000 men looks a lot like a Roman legion. A division of the Roman military called the Roman legion consisted of 5,000 men. So verse 11 keeps on going. Make a note of that. We're going to come back to that here in just a second. Verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves. He gave thanks. And you can imagine the disciples are like right there on the front row. And they're like, what is he doing? Like, I don't see any carts. How, what is, what is he's, it's like he's, he's praying. He's like giving thanks for this food. Like, what is going on? It says he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Then look at verse 12. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves and the, the, the leftover by those who had eaten. What, what's going on here? Well, you got you to remember, what did John connect us to earlier? The Passover. We'll see, while the Israelites were wandering in the, in the wilderness under Moses, God caused manna to fall from heaven, but he, he only provided what they needed for that day and no more. No more than they needed, but no less than they needed. And so what John is kind of opening our eyes is that Jesus provides more than enough. Jesus doesn't just provide like, like what we experienced through Moses, just enough for today. Jesus provides more than enough, which begs the question, who is this guy? That's what John wants us to ask as we read through, who is this man? Verse 14, after the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, look, at, look for a moment, they get it. Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. 
for a moment, for a moment, it moves from their head to their heart. From the, for a moment, their, their spirits open up to receive this revelation that this sign was pointing to the identity of who Jesus is. And for just a moment, they caught it. But Jesus knew Jesus knew that their, their momentary catching was going to be gone in, in just a second. And, and anyway, the timing wasn't right for people to latch hold of this revelation. So verse 15, Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. Did you, did you see that? Now do you start seeing why John mentioned only, like, hey, there were 5,000 men there. You see, what John is getting us to understand is, is that the crowd's response was that, hey, if Jesus is the great prophet, if Jesus is the second Moses that was promised long ago, then he's the one to lead us right now. If the first Moses freed us and, and delivered us and, and walked us out of Egyptian slavery, then surely the second Moses can deliver us from Roman oppression. So you can kind of see their wheels start turning in the, in the, in the heads of those in the crowd. Hey, we've got 5,000 men right here. If we start marching today, we'll round, we'll round the Sea of Galilee. And, and listen, 5,000 men, that's going to get some attention. Soon 5,000 is going to become 10,000. And 10,000 is going to become 25,000. And then we're going to march through the gates of Jerusalem on Passover, baby, with five legions in, 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 the, in the military, in the army. So what does Jesus do? Jesus picks up on, on, on their thought process. He picks up on what they're thinking. And look what it says. It says, he withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus, Jesus knows that, you know what? He is eventually going to go through the gates of Jerusalem, but not to be crowned, but to be crucified. So he grabs the 12, the 12 disciples and he sends them across the lake because Jesus is probably afraid that they would even get caught up in the moment, sitting, a, uh, declaring Jesus to be king and, and, and ushering in, trying to usher in this military movement. And Jesus doesn't want any part of that. So he sends them across the lake and he goes off by himself. Eventually, the, the next passage is, is great. Eventually he, he walks across the water right in the, in the early morning and the disciples are still rowing, trying to get to the other side. And they think it's, ah, you know, it's just this crazy moment. But, um, but they get, they get to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee, and uh, it's the next morning, and the crowd wakes up on, on the other side, on that first side of the sea, and they realize Jesus isn't there. So they, so they start heading across to, to where they think Jesus has gone. But little did they know that Jesus was about to thin out the crowd because he was about to call them out. And I think maybe he might be about to call some of us out this morning. Because have you, ever, have you ever heard somebody say something something like, I gave up on church because I wasn't getting anything out of it? Have you ever had that thought? Like, ah, man, you know, I'm, I just, I gave up on that whole Christianity thing because I wasn't getting anything out of it. And here's the point that Jesus is about to drop on all of this, this whole massive crowd. As long as we're looking for it, 
we still haven't received him. As long as we're still looking for it, whatever it is, whatever it we want him to do for us, as long as we're still looking for it, we haven't received him. So come on, drop down with me. Verse 25, when they found him, the crowd on the other side of the lake, they asked him, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? As if they really cared. We're going to discover in just a few lines, they didn't care. They weren't interested in, in him and his presence. They were interested in something else. They wanted to know what they could get for, from him again. And Jesus kind of shakes off their phony question and he, he jumps right at him. He says, verse 26, very truly, I tell you, you, are, you, you aren't looking for me. You're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed. You're not looking for me because you got the signs which pointed you to my identity, which revealed the glory of God. You know, that's not why you're looking for me. You're looking because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He's, he's saying, hey, you, you thought the sign was the point. You missed the point. The sign was there to lead your heads and your hearts to the true gift that God wants to give his people. But you thought, you thought it was just about getting your belly full. And you missed. You missed the sign. Verse 27, he says, do not work for, do not live for, do not give your life to, don't think only about food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He says, for on him, on, on the Son of Man, on me, Jesus says, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus says, do you not realize what I'm offering you? Don't you see, don't you recognize who I am? God the Father has authorized me to work on his behalf, but all you can think about is lunch. All you can think about is what I can do for you. And as long as you're looking for it, you're not ready to receive him. So they ask, verse 28, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this. Look, look, this is, this is it. To believe in the one he has sent. To, this, is, this is John's way of saying it's not to believe that. It's not to ascribe to some doctrinal statement. It's just to believe in, to trust in, to to. Put the weight of your life upon the one he has sent. So they asked him, well, what sign? What sign then will you give so that we may see it and believe you? What, what will you do? What sign can you do to prove that what you're saying is true? It's like they haven't even been paying attention. Jesus just did a sign. It was sign number four. You missed the other three. And now you miss number four, don't you? I've already been doing signs. That's what I feel like Jesus, what I would have said. I would have like smacked, you just see. And then look, it's like, it's like this just popped in. Like, uh, for example, Jesus, oh, well, I don't know. Like, this just, Jesus, just this just came to me. Verse 31, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. And I can feel Jesus just like, ah, we're back to that. We're back to lunch. Oh, 
and the story goes, and I would encourage you, just continue to read the John chapter six because the story goes on and, and Jesus, Jesus tries to teach to them, but so many of them don't get it. And in fact, we see this line. I think it's John six, verse 66, that a lot of them turned and left and didn't follow Jesus anymore. So many of them didn't get it. They didn't understand what he was doing. So they ended up leaving. And so standing on the shore right there, with Jesus, they were in the presence of the light of the world and they couldn't see past their own stomach. Some in the crowd, they, they, they unfollowed him when the magic show was over. And so here's the question for you and the question for me and the question for everybody joining church this morning is are we just in this thing for the food? Is Jesus like our, our food truck that just drives around? Food truck Jesus, is that what he is for you? Are we, are we just in this thing for what we can get out of him? For what we can get out of it? If so, here's the deal, brother and sister. I love you, but I've got to tell you, if that's true about you, then we, you, you have not come to terms with the who we are dealing with here. We haven't, we haven't come to terms with who we've been invited to follow because this is not a small thing that we've been, we've been invited to join in, to, to, to participate in. Jesus' first followers shaped the world. They changed the world. Listen, I'm convinced that if every Christian in the U.S. today would, would just love like Jesus loved for one week, even in the midst of social distancing, if we just if we did it for one week, the difference would be seen from, from, from east coast to west coast. If we, if we forgave like Jesus has forgiven us, if we gave like he has given, if we were others focused like he was others focused then we would see the world change. Because here's, here's the truth. If you're taking notes, write this down. What matters is not just what Jesus can do for you. What matters is who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And it's only when we are confronted by that truth and that in a new way can we understand what he can really do for us. It's only when we are confronted by that reality of who Jesus is that we can finally accept what he really wants to do for us. You see, some on the shore that day, they saw a magician and they lost interest when the, the magic show ended. Others, though, they recognized him as God. And they didn't ask for anything. They just followed. Listen, I hope you're not in this thing for lunch. I hope, you're, I hope you're not in this for what you can get out of it because if you are, you'll miss the adventure. You'll miss the joy. Because why? Because it's impossible to have a healthy relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. So let me encourage you today. Stop negotiating. Just say yes. Stop, stop trying to do the dance back and forth with God and just say, yes, realize that God has already given you everything you need in Jesus. 
And when he is enough, when he is enough, when it moves from your head to your heart, your new life begins. But until he is enough, listen, your spirituality is reduced to to a food truck that never has the right things on the menu. You're, You're just, you're reduced to food truck Jesus and you're never satisfied because you're always trying to find it because you haven't received him. So come on, let's not be consumers. Let's not be consumers today. Let's be followers. This is, this is a huge opportunity. This is no small thing that we've been invited to be a part of, to participate in. His followers changed the world once. I believe we can do it again. Come on, can I pray for you? this morning. Lord, we thank you today that you have allowed us this opportunity to gather here together in this digital environment. And Lord, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl watching this today, God, that they would move from from a a consumer-driven, what is it in it for me, relationship with you, and they would Simply say yes. Come on, today right there where you're sitting or standing or whatever you're doing watching this, you just say yes to Jesus. That might be the only words you need to pray this morning just to close your eyes and lift your hands and just say, yes, I surrender all. Yes, Jesus. You might be watching this today and you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Listen, if that's you, there's a button, uh, next to you, go ahead and click that and, and, and somebody just wants to pray with you and, and walk you through those steps to, to receiving Jesus as your, your Lord and Savior. Just pray that, if that's you, pray this, say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I admit that I'm far from you. I believe that you are who you claim to be. I've seen the signs and like John, I'm putting my trust in you. And I declare at this time today, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, You can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.